The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, major professional events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings one and all. I am the aforementioned Tony Lightford. Glad to have you on board with this uh, latest uh, edition of the TWBC podcast. Uh, coming to you from uh, Sunset Lakes, uh, the home of the uh, the World Championships, which will be taking place uh, within the next uh, few days at the time that this, uh, this episode was recorded. And uh, one of the main overall threats uh, coming into that competition comes to us from Ukraine, and his name is Daniello Filchenko. How are you doing? Doing good. Greetings to you, Tony, and to your podcast and all the listeners. Excellent stuff. Okay, so uh, Daniello, uh, you've been you've been an overall threat. You've been a, a fantastic overall skier for the for the last uh, last few seasons. Uh, but we but in the in the last few seasons, uh, we've seen you uh, really, really excel in in the jump event. Kind of give us a little bit of an overview of how that improvement has, has come along, because you actually qualified for the Masters one year in the jump event, mm-hmm. but you couldn't take yeah. that spot because of the ramp height issues. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess my jumping has elevated or got better, I think, um Ever since I got to Monroe and started skiing, you know, 31, 5 foot, um, and then switching back to 35, 5 and a half, um, you know, kind of before before when I was a junior, I was skiing at 31, 5, 5 and a half. Um, I'd say, like, I wasn't strong enough to, you know, cut late and and, uh, and go hard and, and kind of in collegiate skiing that... Um, helped me do that you know and uh, ever since then um, I wasn't afraid of you know cutting late and going later at 35 and you know seeing a different angle uh, of the ramp Um, and uh, in 2019 yeah I jumped um, 228 feet 69.3 meters here at Jack Travis Sunset Lakes uh, last chance qualifier Um, wasn't planning on qualifying for masters i was just skiing the tournament i was actually after an injury i had a bicep injury the season before so i wasn't skiing much um i was really just um in Mon- like i was training in monroe before i got here for maybe a couple of weeks i was cutting and passing then i got here i was doing um singles three quarters and then that week that was just my first week of uh doing doubles and um i think um i mean all jumpers know that you go far in there like earlier in the season because you're you know really focusing on the on the on the on mm-hmm. the things that you you know you want to do and improve and um you don't think about the distance much you, you're not really going too hard so you're you're doing everything right and sometimes the big jumps come early uh, because of that you know uh, 
so it was as much a surprise to you as it was to everyone else when you jumped over 69 meters yeah. on on that on the, at that day on that given time i mean i, I had the maybe like a day before that tournament in practice i jumped to around 65 meters and that was the biggest jump um i've ever done um and i felt like i had the potential to go far but definitely i uh, didn't think it would be 69 you know at, at five and a half you know 57 just everything came together and um when i landed i i knew it was huge it was a totally different feeling from other jumps that i've done and uh i landed i knew it was big but i i saw the 70 meter buoy right next to me so i knew it was huge but i had no idea till i got back to the dock how far was it and i i certainly didn't realize that i actually qualified for masters also <laughs> with that jump um and so yeah it was just incredible moment of my life that i remember till this day and uh, uh from then i've kind of i mean um realized that you know i can i can also be competitive and jump and go go really far and compete with the with the legends of the sport you know excellent so uh first time i've ever ever saw you uh compete uh 2010 junior world championship san Gervasio. uh i mean absolutely blown away by what you were doing with uh with, with the tricks event and that that trick and skill has continued all the way through to this day uh which kind of begs the question you know up until that time i never really knew ukraine to be like the real hotbed of uh, tournament skiing like an up-and-coming nation in that regard so kind of give us a little bit of a sense of how you started in the sport and how you got to the point where you were producing world-class tricking even as far as like 11 years ago, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can go back all the way back to when I was nine years old. I was doing gymnastics and uh, for one and a half years. And um, we have a person who reborn the sport in in ukraine reborn water skiing uh, his name is alexei martinov i'm sure many people know mm-hmm. of him right now um he's the main um, driver main you know sponsor um of water skiing in ukraine he they he brought um, really good coaches from belarus he built a um world-class stadium bought ramps bought boats um you know everything was for you to come and just train you didn't have to pay for anything so um i think because of that we have now everybody knows about water skiing in ukraine and uh you can hear the ukrainian national anthem almost at every junior event Mm -hmm. you know europeans or worlds um so i mean it's it's incredible and I'm, i'm i'm happy to be a part of it and happy to be the first one who um, you know, who made that path. So, Okay, so give us a sense of what it's like to, com- yeah. to, to actually train in Ukraine during the winter because you're not mm-hmm. on the water on the outside, but you, you get to train like the Belarusians yeah. and the Russians by, by skiing on a swimming pool using, using, the, cable, a, basically. U- yeah. using the cable. Give us a sense of what, what that was like yeah. and do you, do you continue to do stuff like that? So... Uh, right away, no, no for uh, your last question, I'm not really doing that anymore since I've been in the States for the past uh, few years, um, training you know, mm-hmm. behind the boat. But uh, when I was a kid, yeah, during the winter, 
you know, our season is pretty short, or like any European country, I'd say, like four or five months, and then we go um, to the swimming pool. It's 50 meter Olympic swimming pool, and we get to, we we trick only. Uh, we tricked, and uh, I think uh, that helped a lot with my tricking behind the boat because you actually learn how to do the tricks without using the wake. You know, you got to jump yourself, got to use your knees. Uh, all the towway lines and all the ski lines mainly that I learned there and it's not an issue for me to do the ski lines five um, behind the boat without wake you know and I think um, mainly because we trained in the swimming pool because it teaches you to to yeah. value more of tricking up and down rather exactly. than back and forward yes. side to side exactly well it does help but you know um with time now that I'm, I get, you know, I learn about the sport more and more, you realize that um, it's really all three events is about how you can manage and learn to use the boat. So, uh, and the wakes um, where you, you know, load at correct uh, times. And uh, so I wouldn't say it's, um, I mean, it's good for you to train in a swimming pool. Obviously, that helps a lot, but. If people are training behind the boat all their life, um, I think it's uh, it's even better because, he, like I said, it's um, about learning to use the boat at, at proper and correct times. Um, so, but um, that's what we had. We didn't really have much choice. We came to train um, to like warm countries. We started with uh, going to United Arabic Emirates, uh, and we went to Turkey. We just trained on open water, you know, tricking mostly, free Solomon. Um, so, where did you go go to in the in in the UAE? Because I'm quite familiar with the United Arab Emirates myself. Yeah. I actually started and learned how to ski there. Yeah. But so, did you go to somewhere like Ras Al Khaimah or something yes, like that? Yes, exactly. Ras Al Khaimah, I think that was the name of the town or city. It was uh, like an hour from Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very little. I don't, you know, remember everything like you know correct area where we were. But I remember it was Ras Al Khaimah, and I remember we our hotel was literally across the. Uh, street from the lake or not the lake the from the, the bay yeah the bay basically where we skied they had a ramp there also but i didn't recall jumping there because i didn't think it wasn't in, in the the ramp was in it's jumping pro- condition it probably wasn't um i mean because it's salt water isn't yeah. it so so i mean every, every every time that that ramp got dry it left a big big old film of salt on the surface yeah you try hitting that with jump skis yeah, exactly. not not the expl- pr- yeah. present experience but i remember someone was um uh, from our team and trying to go over or learn how to jump um maybe they sprayed it or you know cleaned the surface yeah. and just went over um, but that's where we actually uh, first time met with John Travers and Natalia Bernikova. We brought them, brought them out like uh, to coach us. Uh-huh. Um, and then they've, they, I remember John showing me uh, pictures of the Jack Travers and the lakes. Yeah, this where we're sitting right now. Um, at, I think at a the time they only had maybe two lakes, or he was just explaining us that they digged it out themselves and. I was just amazed by, you know, what he was explaining us that he did, you know, him and Jack they just did it basically themselves. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's where we met. And um, they even, in, they've invited us to come train here. Um, and ever since that invite, we've been coming here in the winter and training. So this basically, uh, I guess I can call it my second home site uh, outside of Ukraine. Uh, I really love to ski here, and I have m- most of my PBs 
uh, on this lake. Probably like many people because it's incredible to ski here. Having understood that this was a man-made facility, did that kind of set the spark going for your interest in the construction industry? <laughs> um, I'm, I No, I don't think so, but because um, I have a you know dynasty in my family uh, of builders, my, my granddad oh, owned, owned a, a roofing company and um, his sons, um, my dad and his brother, um, they both have construction companies. And I think that's kind of, I've always been around, you know, construction. So that's why I chose construction management in Monroe, and that's why I work in this industry, industry mainly because of my family. Okay, yeah, you spent a little bit of time in D.C., didn't you, for uh, for for a good for a good while? Yeah. What what, what was life in like it life like for you inside the Beltway? Yeah. So um, I graduated out of school and. I landed a job, yeah, out of Monroe, and I've landed a job in D.C. at a construction company called Hensel Phelps, and one of the biggest, you know, general contractors in the country. Um, it was an incredible experience for me, you know, full-time job, uh, working a lot of hours, you know, and very interesting job. Um, it was, I was hard to ski there. Mm -hmm. um, I was certainly trying, and I, I got there during the you know, pandemic when it just started. So um, first half a year, I worked from home, basically, and I was able to ski a bit more, and I was going to Kari Vaughn's place, and obviously... In Bumpass. I wanted, yeah, Bumpass, Virginia, that, yep. And uh, I was going to Lake Holly, so big shout-out to Ralph and Karen and, you know, all the people that I skied there. They helped me out a lot. Uh, it was actually, I was amazed by how amazing that site was, you know, for... You know, just it's Virginia, whatever. I never, yeah. never thought that um, you could find such a good place there. And they had a ramp. It was an interesting uh, setup. Um, they, they had to push the ramp out all the time because it was crossing uh, with the slalom course. So oh, it was in okay. the way you couldn't, you know, slalom if you had the ramp out. So you had to push it with the nose of the ball, push it out, push it back in every time. But mm. the ramp was good, and uh, I was able to train. Not as much as I wanted, but uh, I still was able to at least uh, maintain my level or ski a bit, you know, on the weekends and during the week sometimes. But when pandemic uh, kind of, mm, you know, not stopped, but when it got a little bit better, mm -hmm. there were way more traffic on the road. And it took instead of an hour, hour and a half together, it was about three hours. So it was getting um, really hard to ski during the week. Okay, uh, your goals coming into today's uh, World Championships that are coming up. What what are you looking to aim for? What what's realistic for you? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's sport. You never know what can happen. I'm definitely gonna give my my best, and I'm sure everyone's gonna try their hardest. Uh, we're gonna see what's what, but um, I'm definitely uh, definitely looking at the gold in. Uh, in overall in tricks you know and, and that's the events I'm, I'm but i'm not looking past anyone everyone's been skiing out of their minds so we'll, we'll see we'll see it's sport you never know i think we're all we're all prepared we all are strong we've showed a great result results throughout the summer and we'll see uh, who can do it on the day 
All right, and uh, that was going into these world championships. Now, now people are, are, are probably going to absolutely tear me apart if I don't ask you this particular question. European championships this year, not so much the trick in performance, which he had issue with so far as the score, but it was the aftermath that the officials kind of had issue with. Kind of tell us a little bit about that and how it resolved itself. So, um, yeah, it was in the trick, and I, you know, I'd say it's a usual usual stuff, usual deal uh, in the tricking event when a skier doesn't agree with the judges on, on certain trick or something, you know, they, when skier just doesn't agree, I... Um, I reacted, um, you know, on my Facebook page about it, um, and uh, talked to the judges, to the judges, and um, there was a little argument between us, you know, and you know how arguments go. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were emotions involved, um, obviously, uh, because I just tricked, and then I was about to jump, you know. There's just, and it was, you know, right in the middle of the tournament. The Europeans, you know, the pressure is high. So there were some things that that I said um, on emotions. Then later on, we we talked and throughout the emails, and we got it resolved. And I think he, he, you know, maybe even closer with some of the people that I was arguing with now. So you know, now we have a history. <laughs> but um, yeah, just I'd say it's the usual usual stuff between the. Between the tricker and judges. So in the end, no harm, no foul. No, yeah, oh. Oh, we're we all love each other and peace to all. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. Okay, we'll conclude the podcast there. Thank you very much for being a participant. Is there anyone? Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Uh, any supporters, friends, family, what have you? Sure. I you know I always want to give big shout out to uh, our main sponsor, Alexi, um, to the whole Sentosa crew. I know they don't understand. What I'm saying, but uh, I'm you know really thankful. We we've got a They'll big have team. Someone to interpret. We've got big team behind us. Not you know that people don't know uh, some of the people that you know on, at our lake that help us out with you know driving, setting up the lake. That you know just all the technical stuff and some drivers uh, that you know take us to different city to fly out from. I mean, just many people involved. So I thank them, thank them all. Obviously, my parents, my dad, my mom usual stuff but i you know i really appreciate those guys and yeah that's it and thanks uh, thanks to you tony for doing this and bringing me out here all right then uh, that was daniela filchenko i'm tony lightfoot this has been the latest edition of the twbc podcast and until next time it is ciao for now thank you for listening to the twbc podcast Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcasts.